Welcome to Your Unconscious is Showing, a no BS podcast platform created to discuss the underlying truths beneath our daily lives and what and who we think we are. Today's episode features Dr. Nicole LaPera, and we're talking about our childhood, reparenting, and of course, the unconscious. I asked Dr. Nicole, who is a clinically trained turned social media self-healing clinician who is changing the game for people who are seeking a new way of reparenting what's no longer working in their lives, just how she does it and just what her thoughts are. If you feel like your unconscious is showing up in childhood memories and daily habits, this episode may help you. If you have someone in your life that is feeling like their childhood is holding them back and you want to understand what might be going on in their mind, this episode may help you. And if you want to hear more of Dr. Nicole's story and how it relates to the unconscious, then this episode is for you. Don't forget to share the episode if it has helped you in any way by taking a screenshot and sharing it on social media, tagging both your unconscious is showing and the period truth period doctor. We know our guests would love a tag as well at the period holistic period psychologist. And please leave us a review on our Apple podcast platform if you listen through there. We love to see what you think about each episode. The more people who hear these truth messages, the more the world is getting better a little at a time. Enjoy. Please contact your emergency line if you are feeling lost or hopeless. This is not a replacement for therapy. You are not alone. We believe in you. Welcome to Your Unconscious is Showing. My name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I am known on social media as The Truth Doctor. And today I am bringing you episode 11 of this podcast where I am talking with Dr. Nicole LaPera all about the unconscious, how it has showed up for her in her life, in her work, in reparenting, and in all of our childhoods in general. Dr. Nicola Perra was trained in clinical psychology at Cornell University and the New School for Social Research. She also studied at the Philadelphia School of Psychoanalysis. As a clinical psychologist in private practice, Dr. Nicola Perra often found herself frustrated by the limitations of traditional psychotherapy, which makes a lot of sense. Wanting more for her patients and for herself, she began a journey to develop a united philosophy of mental, physical, and spiritual health that equips people with the tools necessary to heal themselves. She is the creator of the hashtag self healers movement, where people from all around the world are joining together in community to take healing into their own hands. Her first book, How to Do the Work, is currently in pre-order, and you all should order it with a release date of March 2021. So thank you again, Nicole, so much for being here today and for talking with my audience. Of course, Courtney, I was joking with you beforehand. I think the unconscious is probably my favorite topic to talk about, so it is truly my honor. I'm so excited to get started. So the point of this podcast, um, you know, the reason why I named it Your Unconscious is Showing is because I myself, you know, I tried to do private practice for about six months and um you know i also tried working for the county and none of it worked none of it seemed like i was truly helping people following specific interventions and not only was did i feel like my the interventions that i was supposed to be using supposed to be using with people wasn't necessarily helping them but i also realized it was stunting myself and i realized i had healed to a degree without therapy and so and why did that happen? And it was because I had an awareness of my unconscious and all the bullshit that I was doing in my life to all the people around me and to myself. It was because it was always a moment where my unconscious was showing and I didn't want it to be. So I would mask it in one way or another. And so these solo episodes are where I provide the community an ability to learn about how their unconscious may be showing up for them. And when I have guests on, it's to help them see whether the guest is a um, someone that's a healer or just someone that's healed themselves. The message is your unconscious is showing there's nothing wrong with that. And I want, I want my audience to learn from you in regards to how you as a healer and you as someone who is healing and have healed, you know, how, how was your unconscious showing up for you in your past, potentially before you became a therapist and even be and then before you began this self healers journey? Absolutely. And I think there's so much resonance in terms of both of our, you know, I'll speak personally for me, though, professionally, and what I'm hearing you share, Courtney, in terms of your professional journey in alignment, right, kind of going through and, and very similar, I think, to you in a lot of ways. I, from the beginning of my training, 
I really sought out to learn all of the tools and techniques. So I went to school and obviously as, as most of us are, we're offered the CBT model. Thankfully, my program was a little more what we call psychodynamic and I learned a bit about the subconscious or the unconscious. <laughs> However, I think I had this inner sense um, that I wanted the full complete picture and that maybe some of these tools and systems were limited. So mm -hmm. on my own, outside of, of the, the school environment that I was in, I sought out to do just that. I learned all different types of working with people, all different types <laughs> of quote unquote tools to use. Obviously even talk about diving into the subconscious or unconscious. I laid on a couch and I was right. training or so I believed, right? To become <laughs> the analyst, the Freud, the pipe smoker, right? Tinkering right. around in the unconsciouses of many. And anyway, very long story, um, several years into practice, I started to feel that same sort of frustration that I think I hear reflected in your story, that limitation. Um, and again, yeah. this was, I was mirroring in my own life um, outside of the treatment room. I saw myself, the word that I kept coming up for me and my clients was stuck. Um, mm. And this would even span the most, what I might even deem insightful of clients after the most insightful of sessions mm. where we might even troubleshoot the exact thing that we're going to do differently to begin to create the change that we're so desperately seeking. Right. And yet the following week, right, more of that stuckness. Mm. Um, and what I started to feel myself, um, in addition to feeling totally disempowered as a human and as obviously the helper in the room, right. um, I started to see a more concerning pattern in, in my clients, which was they would start to make these generalizations about themselves mm. and maybe their brokenness or their mm. hopelessness yeah. to create change ever in their lives. And for me, that was really incredibly disheartening, obviously, as a human right. um, as well, as someone who cares and, and truly wants you know others to, to live in fulfillment but also as the practitioner. Um, yeah. So very long intro of saying what I came to realize um, is that while I learned a bit about the unconscious and maybe what is happening down there, I don't think yeah. any of us really were taught how powerful the unconscious is in our day to day. So how that played out session after session, right, is we might have this incredibly aha insightful moment where we, you know, came up with a new plan of action again to create change. And then the large majority of us are slipping into what mm. I believe lives in our subconscious, which is our habits, our patterns, our conditioning, mm -hmm. all of the wounding that many of us have experienced accumulated over life, really. Right. And we're repeating patterns from that autopilot. And that is the large reason in my belief why we can't change. So your unconscious is showing. I giggle every time I, <laughs> I think about the title because I mean, it's incredibly powerful and it's from that space, like I said, that a lot of us are remaining unable to create change and even more problematically, really disempowering ourselves. Completely, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think people, you know, people are afraid. They're afraid of consciousness in general because I mean, well, one, it's a really powerful tool for people who do not want people to be conscious. They'd rather us live in our subconscious thoughts and our unconscious mechanisms because then we're more easily manipulated. And we're more easily, we can more easily become pawns and whatever it is that they're looking for. While all the while we are, we're deteriorating. We're literally deteriorating on the inside because everything that's showing up for us, it wants to be seen. We, it wants to be repaired and we, we hide it either covertly or overtly on our own free will or from ex, our external environment. When it comes to being a therapist, what, you know, and I think I, I've heard a little, I've been following you for, for a while, as millions of people have, and um, I've heard a little bit about your story. Now, I think so, I've gained this, I've gained this huge following on TikTok. TikTok's just blown up. It's like over a million people. And, and what I've realized is, you know, it's the younger generation that's on there, but what they, what they like most about what I'm sharing, and which is, this is why I'm gonna ask you this question, is that I talk about why I think the, like what happened in my life, just very vulnerably, you know, and there's there's a few people that would be like, how could you ever like talk about your grandpa dying during your doctorate? And I'm like, what are you talking about? How is this a problem for you? Like I'm a human being, you know, my degree doesn't make me not a human. And so I wanna ask, what what was it about either living in unconsciousness 
or finding consciousness prior to being a therapist? Like what made, what out of those things made you want to enter into the field of psychology and mental health in general? Yeah, I, I, you know, interestingly, I can't as so, you know, some of us have a pivotal moment, right? Or a predominant thought whenever we get to begin to be asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Um, and so my story, interestingly enough, so you're going to hear me speak two truths that I've lived. Mm. Um, while I was incredibly disconnected, unconscious to myself mm. in many ways, there were moments where I did maintain a connection to that a very elusive space that many of us are desperately seeking to find, which is my the way I understand it, my intuition or my internal guidance, that little ping that kind of just knew, for lack of a better word. So again, while I was largely disconnected from myself in many ways, and I'll go into you know how unconscious I came to realize I was, um, obviously creating the pathway to become more conscious and create change, um, you know, I, I, however, like I said, had moments of that intuitive connection. So mm. I, for as long as I can remember something I did become aware of, um, and the way I made sense of it, I think is what led me into the field, but something I became aware of quite early was that we're all different. <laughs> you know, I would look around and maybe mm. in my family, I saw a lot of sameness and I'll talk a bit about that in a second. However, as soon as I became pure age and I started to make friends, this for me became problematic because I would see people treating people differently, namely mm. treating people different than I would treat them. And from what I now understand is a feeling of difference. Um, for mm. me, I felt that in, you know, kind of intuitive desire to seek understanding. Mm. Um, and so for me, uh, as soon as I became a reader, um, I excelled in school. So academics and books were introduced to me very early. Uh, mm. and then when I got, you know, when I began to pick out my books, I found mm. I would gravitate toward, you know, books about people. And mm. so for me, I was, I think, responding to that deep desire to understand, um, became fascinated, of course, with the mind in particular. Um, and then by, I guess it was high school age when, you know, psychology classes were being talked about. Mm. By that point, I was like, yes, this is what I'm doing again as a way to seek yeah. to understand. So for me, interestingly, I think I had that connection. It drove me into the field. Um, and I was really, really fascinated, like I said earlier, of gaining all of the tools to yeah. find my way toward understanding. It wasn't until um, I was, you know, in my 30s, I had my private practice that I really mm -hmm. began to realize how not conscious, um, how unconscious all of my daily habits and patterns had been. And that really yeah. helped me then pivot into the way that I work now. Um, but like I said, I think my unconscious was always present, directing me um, into mm. the field. And then it really, the symptoms of living unconsciously right. began screaming to the surface, as I think it does with many of us. Um, general lack of fulfillment, that state of disconnection was really pervasive. I mean, I couldn't really get excited for anything. Mm. I felt very flat. Um, and then at that point, I really began to understand the why and the why similar, I think, to the way you frame things is right. because I was so desperately trying to keep the unconscious down and it took about 30 years and it finally was saying no longer. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I, you know, I think people, at least the younger generations that listen to that watch my content, listen to my, to my podcast, they, they think that if they're so tr like that, they're so troubled that they can never help another person and that they're so unconscious or they don't understand themselves so much that they're never going to be able to get to the place where they can be a healer or even feel fulfilled. You know, they've, they've had this lack of fulfillment for so long. I think like, it's not that they don't think that it exists, but they think it's not attainable for them. And that's maybe even worse than thinking that it doesn't exist because then there's this comparison aspect as well. Of, My life has been so fucked up that I have been chosen to not enjoy these aspects of life because of who I am, not what's happened to me. You know, they identify so strongly with these unconscious beliefs, not knowing that they weren't born with them. Like our unconscious absorbs like our fear and the worst possible thing and everything anyone's ever said about us that our brain absorbs to think, oh, well, if I remember this, then it'll make me better. But it doesn't make you better because it just makes you feel like shit. And then you're stuck with all of that. And so I, I appreciate that you said that you would go in a little bit about 
about your family and, and maybe you can t sort of tie this into the next question that I wanted to talk to you about, which is when it comes to childhood, which is a lot of the times when we know the least about other people, ourselves, our minds, and that everybody thinks and acts differently than us is how do you, how would you describe how the unconscious shows up in childhood in general? And then any examples from your own? The unconscious is ever present from the moment we take our first breath here. And the way you describe it is really beautiful because it is ever present. It's logging more or less everything that's happening to us. We actually now know that our we have a brainwave state, a way our brainwaves fire um, in on or around from birth until around age seven that actually opens us up to the world. Mm -hmm. That wide-eyed look that many of us see when we look at little babies, infants, children, that is that state of receptivity. We're actually primed to be taking mm -hmm. in the world around us. Um, and so in that state of you know unconsciousness, we are also, and this is where it becomes really important and impactful for us, mm -hmm. we're also in a, in a state of complete dependency meaning we are largely reliant on the people around us, whomever they might be, whatever the parent figure or family iteration we're born into is, to meet our needs. We quite literally cannot on our own. And in my belief, you know, because I believe we're whole beings, I we have physical needs, we have emotional needs, and we have spiritual needs. Right. Now, this is where these two concepts come together, right? In that state of wide-eyed receptivity, learning how to human, you know, to put it really mm -hmm. simply, <laughs> Right. We are taking in and we are so affected by what we're being seen, modeled to us, mm -hmm. around us. We're even more affected by the experiences we're living, often in relationships with right. the people and the environments around us. Now, I'm going to use the computer analogy here because I think it really simply allows us to begin <laughs> to understand the impact. We begin yeah. to formulate the programs that are going to, again, mm -hmm. lay into our subconscious and then unfortunately for so many of us be repeated in that autopilot, right? And then we see that disconnect. We see, if we wanna talk really simplistically, right? That those insights and all of that, you know, future that I wanna create that's different lives in my conscious mind. Mm -hmm. And then the large majority of us, and this is what I would see in my practice, every other hour of my week, say, between sessions even, I, chances are, am slipping into those unconscious programmings, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're right, we do make cast judgments about ourselves, and a lot of us begin to be, feel like we're limited. You said something mm -hmm. earlier that I wanna talk about too that I don't think helped. Mm -hmm. In the field, for very long, as practitioners or healers, yeah. I don't know about you, but I was directly taught, especially when I started to go down the path of you know, psychoanalytic work, to be a non-entity in the room, to be what we mm -hmm. call a blank slate, to remove the human and right. keep it outside. And mm -hmm. again, I can understand clinically the reason for that. And that's obviously right. another whole discussion that we don't need to go into. However, I think the byproduct of that for many years has given people this idea very falsely of healer and what that means. Right. And again, it has dehumanized us in a way that I think is maybe being passed on to these younger generations where they feel like to be the healer, you have to be infallible, perfect. I I have yet to meet, if I'm perfectly honest, Courtney, any human who falls right. into that category. I don't care what profession <laughs> you are. Um, so mm -hmm. again, the, the ideal is unattainable. And I think a lot of us coming through the field, and I was taught that very directly. And I, I was challenged a lot because I didn't like that. And I was mm -hmm. always the clinician who was a little more me in the room, a little more jokey. And obviously mm -hmm. as supervisors would come to, you know, I would be swayed not to be like that. So anyway, a very long winded way of saying, I think the way the field has conceptualized the work, mm -hmm. again, not really fully comprehensively understanding that we're not just the mind, right? That can right. be tinkered with, that we are a whole mm -hmm. human. And again, I think some of the messaging in our field has led to these beliefs that we're actually not human. And I think when we humanize ourselves, we can mm -hmm. normalize a lot of the struggles um, that our clients are feeling too. I agree with you completely. And that that whole, I mean, it's just, I appreciate so much your take. You know, what drew me to you in the first place was that you were a human first and a professional second. And, and or at the same time, it's like, it's like, you can't, you know, it's at the same time. And so many people just don't understand that concept. 
And, and you touched on something else that I think is really important where you said that we are, we are really affected by the relationships that we have specifically between the being born up until seven years old. And one thing that I did know about it was that's really the time period, just as an example for anyone listening that where you can like your best chance of learning multiple languages because your brain is that absorbent. And so if you think about it, if your brain is that absorbent that you could learn multiple languages or have the foundation to learn multiple languages, then just think about what the unconscious languages are that you're learning just simply by seeing the way that people are treating you or not treating you. And there isn't, there aren't words to that language. It's feeling, it's somatic, it's spiritual. It really is. And, and I love that you have that triad of importance when it comes to the human being. So many people just, so if you can't explain the soul, it doesn't exist. And it's like, Okay, well, you're probably going to live a less fulfilled life. And that's not me judging someone that has a different opinion about that. But there's just a lot there that we can't explain. And if we can't explain it, there's a reason for that. There's a reason. There's a reason for it. And so I like that you talked about just how affected we can be in our childhood. And one of the reasons why I became a therapist was because I had a really fucked up childhood. And I had parents that were just... <laughs> They weren't parents and at this point in my life i'm taking care of them because of my success and i had to learn how to reparent myself mm -hmm. and i and i realized you know i didn't have a term to describe what i was doing to myself until i found your account and i was like this is the shit. i'm like this is what has been this is what i've been doing and this is what i've taught almost every client that i have ever worked with is like there's something that has happened to you over the course of your childhood or your adolescence. It doesn't have to be a monumental moment. It can be just the simple lack of a authentic mirroring relationship. Like that's traumatic. And so we all need to reparent ourselves. And I just recently did an episode on reparenting and I like ended it by saying like, we all need to fucking reparent ourselves. And if you think that you don't, then you're mistaken because your parents were different people than you you are a different person than them. And so they never are, they're never going to know what really went on in your head. You're never really going to know what went on in theirs. And that means that you have to figure out what went from their head into yours and what you don't want anymore. And so I want to ask you when it comes to the unconscious and reparenting the stuff in your childhood that you, that you live with today. Like I, I still have to have a huge sign in my bathroom that says brush your teeth because I never learned how to brush my teeth ever. And I'm like 30 years old and I like have a two year old. He's like, I'm like, my God, am I gonna have to explain to him that like my mother never taught me how to brush my teeth. So I have to have a conscious reminder daily. And so I just, I think reparenting is so powerful and really scary for people because it admits that there's stuff. And so I wanna ask you about the unconscious and reparenting. Why is it important? Why do you focus on it? Yeah, so simply, you know, when we, if you want to first start by, you know, what I define as the process, and I, I make a very intentional effort to call most things I talk about a process, because they are, mm -hmm. right? You're not going to listen or even, you know, meet these concepts. As a lot of us, I think, have tried to maybe in a book, hearing you and I speak about it, it is the action of. Um, and it is a process then to integrate into actioning in these ways daily. So just so that yeah. we're clear, right? What I mean when I see reparenting, and I, as always, simplify um, for teaching and understanding purposes. So quite mm -hmm. simply, reparenting is the act of showing up in service of our authentic needs in mm -hmm. those same three areas. This means being able to identify and then over time begin to meet the unique needs of my physical body, the unique needs of my emotional or energetic self that is different drastically from most people around me. And again, the unique needs of my spiritual essence, the way that I need to feel safe and express in the world. And so those are the daily habits and patterns we're talking about when we talk about reparenting, because we are showing up day in and day out, you know, within ourselves in this body, and we're doing something, right? Attempting. Mm -hmm to meet needs in, in, in all of those areas. Right. Chances are the large majority of us are, are like you into adulthood. We're still using the same things that were modeled to us. And I really loved how you differentiated the different ways things are communicated. Cause some of us have a, that might have a very direct memory of things we were told, 
you know, this is how you care for your body. These are the foods that are healthy or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. This is what time you go to sleep. Emotions, here's what you do, here's what you don't do. A, a larger majority of us, I think, weren't given maybe those directives, you know, in the direct direction way. We were mm -hmm. indirectly, right? And we were, right. you're very right, attuned and attentive mm -hmm. and adapting and, and picking up on all of the different layers of messaging. And again, so into adulthood, and I will speak my truth, I wasn't so great in caring for my body. Why? Because I wasn't so connected to its sensation. I didn't know what hunger really felt like. I ate for many different reasons. I actually used food as restricting of it and consuming of it as a coping tool. I wasn't really though responding to my body. I didn't really know what food or what activities in terms of how much sleep do I need to feel the best because I was largely disconnected. Mm. I'll, speak, I'll speak another truth. Emotionally, though I went through a lot of schooling to learn about emotions, mm. I was completely dissociated for so long from my emotional mm. center, from my emotions, I had no idea how to begin to make myself feel better. The only tool I knew how to use was to disconnect, to check out mm. on that spaceship, right? So what reparenting to me means, and this also is, you'll hear me speak about this in terms of a limitation of the old bottle of therapy, right? Because mm -hmm. two things happen when we're in therapy. We go for a prescribed time. Again, we could have a very supportive relationship where we're able to begin to explore how best to meet these needs. Right. What happens again outside of therapy? Two questions mm -hmm. come to mind. Again, right? How strong is my autopilot? And am I conscious to begin to make new practices in those areas, right? So can I transfer the insight mm -hmm. to action? Mm -hmm. And then furthermore, I'm the one every day that's in this body. Mm -hmm. And I now am aware, even though again, I fought this tooth and nail, mm -hmm. our needs aren't consistent. I cannot come up with a protocol for daily life and repeat mm -hmm. that into my 40s, into my 50s, into my 60s, and think that I'm gonna be successful in navigating the changing needs of my body. So again, mm -hmm. another limitation I believe is just the reality that we're the ones who are waking up every day in a body whose needs are changing, whose energies are changing, and in what I believe is an ever-expanding spiritual experience, meaning yeah. we're going to change. So again, empowerment comes, in my opinion, when we learn the process of reparenting as a process, as a dynamic action that we can begin to take daily. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you so much. I agree with you completely. And I, that really segues into a question that, it's kind of a question that I had noted down, but, but kind of veering it away a little into what came up for me as you were talking is, is yeah, turning the tools, turning the information that you gain in therapy into action. And then also combining that with you saying that we're ever changing. And you know, I think people can become really dependent on traditional therapy. Um, they can need to be in it for the entirety of their life, for example. And when I, when I hear that, when I hear, oh, I've been in therapy for nine years and I'm still dealing with the same issues. What, what I hear is I hear, okay, so are you learning about what is being taught to you or are you just having it be taught to you? And that's where your self healers movement seems so powerful or is so powerful because you know, we as healers learn how to do what we do through going to school. And so what is stopping other people? I mean, of course, there's, you want a witness to your healing, you want someone with the professional understanding of your symptoms. And so there's reasons for traditional therapy. And at the same time, if you've been in therapy for nine years, and it's like, and you're working on the same stuff, it's like, you need that, you need that education, you need that information, you have the capability of moving forward in your life and understanding your unconscious, not just hearing a therapist say, you have these unconscious mechanisms, here's an action plan, and that's gonna save you for your whole life. It's just not, you know, like we have mm -hmm. to become aware. And so with your movement, you know, what's what started the movement? What started the self-healers movement? Was it your own personal journey and seeing the success or was it more so what you've talked about already with, with the, the, the lack of success in a lot of your clients or both? Yeah, it, a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think quite universally, I'm like many of my clients. Um, and something I heard in what you were speaking is 
book knowledge, a lot of us come become over-reliant in, in our thinking mind, you know? Mm. Even the activity of going week after week to discuss things. I agree with you, there's incredible benefit. Like I said, I've been in therapy as recent as within this past year with my family. Mm -hmm. So there's a time and a place where it can be incredibly supportive. Right. However, right, for some of us, we tend to over rely in and outside of therapy on our thinking mind. I think a lot mm. of our school systems prime us to think our way through our day to day. And again, that doesn't translate very well into action because a lot of these actions, right, require us or, or help when we drop in to mm. our body, when we separate and we first break the habit of being in our thinking mind. Something else I know about humans we don't like to change actually <laughs> our subconscious feels quite safe in that which it knows that which mm -hmm. is familiar as the language you'll hear me using so mm -hmm. even you know even the most insightful of us have that pull in our subconscious so even those of us who are willing or going to you know intentionally set that first promise to themselves that's the language i use to create change tomorrow mm -hmm. tomorrow when we go to action we're going to be faced with that same resistance, mm. that same pull right. right back into the subconscious. So I noticed that similarly in myself, um, I noticed same patterns, habits and patterns that I was unable yeah. to break. Um, mm. Even again, with the awareness, with increasing tools that I was beginning to um, meet and use in my life, I still couldn't create the change. So learning, you know, mm. kind of, I guess facing my own, you know, frustration and my own inability to change allowed me to take the first step um, in the direction of creating change, which the first mm -hmm. step for me was really beginning to witness how conscious or for mm -hmm. me, how unconscious I came to realize I was operating. And mm -hmm. then that for me allowed me to pivot, begin to create a new foundation of living life consciously which then equipped me to continue on my journey. It allowed me to practice what I call self-witnessing, to be an active daily observer of these habits and patterns that you hear me, you, you and I are talking, we're, we're both saying they're there. I'm the first person to urge any listener, don't believe me, right? Learn how to practice consciousness within yourself and then go watch your day to day, right? Your patterns and habits are going to become visible and probably it's going to be very uncomfortable. And if you're a human, you're going to have that resistance of going back and saying, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to stay in my familiar. But for mm -hmm. me, it, it led me to build that foundation to create a new habit of being conscious. And then the things I needed to change, if you will, were very clear to me over time and allowing me to create change in those moments. I love how you talked about how it can be uncomfortable once we start changing. And I really love that you talked about the example of like one day you're like, I'm gonna do this, it's time to change. Then you wake up tomorrow and you're still you. And you're like, well, fuck, <laughs> now what? <laughs> now I'm like, I have my behaviors, I have my thoughts, my emotions, my past, my desires for the future, what I'm gonna eat for breakfast. It's like, and you're sitting there and you're like, okay, not today. You're like, not today. You know, we don't want to get to that place, but yeah. it happens to so many of us. And we're, we're really conditioned we've been through anything in our lives, we're really conditioned to put ourselves last. A lot of us are conditioned that way. And that can either be because we have low self-esteem or because we're trying to have other people build up our, our esteem. Maybe there's just a lack of esteem coming from others. And so it's very messy. We're very messy humans, Yes. you know? We, we try to act like we're not. And then one day the mess comes out and you're like, well, I held on to that for 15 years. And so now that everybody's aware of it, maybe I should do something about it. And then there's still that resistance to want to do anything. And it's really, it's not like who we really are deep down inside is not going to resist. That's why anyone has a desire to heal in general. It's because there's something else there. And it's, it's, you know, I own a treatment center. It's called Good Heart Recovery. And the point of it, the reason it's called that is because we all have like this goodness. And I treat addiction at the center and, and it's like, they think that their behaviors and the fact that they wanna numb themselves that that makes them not a good human being. And I just, you know, the point is that that's not the case. It's like the, the reason why you're seeking treatment, the reason why someone goes to therapy, the reason why they wanna heal is because outside of all the bullshit that you have accumulated over the course of your life, there's a part of you that knows that that's not you and that you can change. And it's only those things 
that are trying to tell you otherwise because just like you said you're comfortable yeah I when it comes it's so beautiful and i worked very long myself um in you know helping people recover from different you know substance use addictions etc and i could not agree more i mean you'll often hear me going on the record saying i truly believe in goodness in each of us i believe that we've adapted and modified and maybe we're behaving externally in ways that possibly are causing harm to the others or the environment around us i couldn't agree more though that kind of implicitly you know, we we came here, you know, as good and as whole. And again, we just, you know, become disconnected and become so limited um, in ourselves as a result of all of the th things that happened to us. And I think a lot of us now quite collectively and quite universally. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, from the second I signed online and even created this account two years ago, right? The, the the collective is there, is resonating. I think a lot of us are starting that little piece you're talking about that knows, or that's like, mm. kind of like, what is this? There is something more I am. This isn't serving me this life I'm living. Right. Um, I think it's really starting to, to, to um, you know, kind of come in the collective. I think that's why my account, at least in particular, has, has grown in terms of resonance and, you know, meeting other practitioners like yourself out there speaking truths and seeing your accounts and your communities. I mean, for me, this is the beauty, I think, of the awakening that's happening for all of us, regardless of where you are in the world. Yes, the awakening. It's so prevalent right now. And I think the fact that it's so prevalent is it's also so like people are really pissed about it. Like, I feel, I just feel like, you know, I think people are, they're afraid and maybe it's a lot of like the older generations. I think like it's been, it was really taboo to talk about politics or religion or spirituality or the unconscious. And it was better to just wake up and try to have that daily routine life, working nine to five, having kids, staying in the mm -hmm. nuclear family dynamics. And, and now, you know, we've, even people that are born right now, we're coming out of the womb and we're like, we're not going to do any of this shit anymore, actually. And we're going to call you out on all the stuff that you've tried to make us believe about ourselves and our mind and the world. And we're saying this isn't working. There's a reason why there's, you know, without trying to be polarized, but there's the reason why there's the world is like burning to the ground and everybody is in a divide and our, our systems aren't working for us anymore and human beings are becoming forgotten in their own families, in their own minds, in their own communities, in their own countries, in the world in general. And I think, I think this awakening is so important. What do you think comes up or what, what does come up for you? Like, like unconscious beliefs or maybe collective traumas or anything that that's under the surface until we reveal it. Like, why do you think, what do you think is holding people back from being willing to change, being willing to heal themselves or get healed or, you know, find that connection with someone that can make them feel better. Where do you think the resistance comes in? I, you know, whether or not people are, are, are willing or not, you, you, you said, I think my answer to this question, which is, I think collectively we're housing a lot of trauma as individuals and as a collective. And when I speak that word trauma, I mean a much more expansive definition than even those of us in the field, um, mm -hmm. I believe we're taught to define it. Um, in the 90s, we very gratefully, the ACEs study that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with now, essentially we came to realize that what has been commonly referred to in the field as the big key traumas, you know, the sexual abuse, the neglect, the physical abuse, having parents that are mentally ill or incarcerated, we finally, as per the 90s, came to realize that regardless of when they happened, how far in our past, that they can still map on to present, you know, in, into adulthood, physical and psychological difficulty. So this was the first time, surprisingly, that we realized that we carry trauma with us. This, however, was very confusing for me, someone like myself, because hmm. I took the ACEs, of course I did, and I scored a one which is captures about 60% of the population, which really means that I didn't experience much trauma, quote unquote, mm -hmm. according to that scale. And again, flash forward in time to meeting people who scored upwards of 10 on this, this ACEs scale and still seeing those same habits and patterns reflected mm -hmm. in both of us. So I'm that person that you were talking to early about earlier that started to feel really broken, that started to wonder maybe these were just limitations in who I was. 
maybe what my body genetically was capable of. That's definitely a theory that I tried on mm -hmm. for size and internalized because in my family, I have a mother and a sister with chronic health problems. So that made sense. I have physical mm -hmm. limitations. Same thing with this idea of personality, right? I came to believe that maybe these were just things I'm not capable of and that's why I'm stuck. I'm just mm -hmm. unworthy of having fulfilling relationships. And yeah. it took me understanding um, well into my practice that the road is the same, regardless of if you're scoring the 10, um, and this isn't to invalidate or minimize, I believe we need to make space for all of our pain um, to be worthy of what it was for us, an incredibly mm -hmm. difficult experience that yeah. for many of us, right, involves habits and patterns that are no longer serving us into adulthood. Um, and I believe when we expand that definition and when we understand, so this year is for many reasons, a lot of trauma is coming to a surface. Many of us now are existing the large majority of our day in the arena that is the online world or social media, which is another interpersonal, in my opinion, right, avenue to relate to others. So I say all that to say the trauma. I think collective and individual trauma is, is really starting to come to a surface in a lot of ways. I believe those of us who are online are seeing it play out in maybe ourselves and how we're engaging online or in our communities. Um, and I think it really comes down to that is, you know, a lot of us, again, are being captured in a much more expanded definition of trauma. And mm -hmm. it's starting to come to the surface in very real ways. It's like that nagging right part that I talked <laughs> about in myself. I think mm -hmm. a lot of us are starting to see very clearly the things that aren't working. So again, what a lot of us, we span in terms of, I, I see this and I need to change mm -hmm. um, to, you know, I see this and I can't change. Um, so I don't know in terms of willingness, though I know yeah. trauma does keep us stuck. Um, so right. despite, and this is where I think it gets really difficult, those of us with extreme willingness and continued stuckness mm. can really get close to that slippery slope of disempowerment. I can't, I won't, right. this isn't meant for me. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And I appreciate you kind of giving that separation between being willing and, and being stuck. And also, yeah, just the, this year, <laughs> you can't write it. You really can't, <laughs> you know? it's. <laughs> it has taught a lot of people a lot about themselves and you know i mean i guess yes more of us are on social media more of us are paying attention to notifications on our phone or whatever and i've noticed you know <clears throat> like it's like every four days there's like a celebrity marriage divorce or something i never used to pay attention to any of that but i'm like jesus this year is really uncovering a lot for a lot of people and and that's of course just the people where you're going to get an article about their marriage falling to pieces <laughs> and it's good for the media. So everybody puts it out to tell the whole world. But if you think about it, it's happening across the board in every way, everyone's looking at their behaviors and their lifestyle and, and what they used to have to cope positively or negatively. And now what they have, and they're sitting with themselves and their minds and their relationships. And they're going, this is not working for me. This is like, this is like, we're being forced to be more conscious than we've ever been and even if people don't feel like they're more conscious today you are because you're you've stepped outside of that typical daily or weekly or monthly or annually routine and you're like now what you know and and there's so much to unpack there and, and i feel like a lot of people are they're afraid i think they're noticing these patterns come up more in their minds and they're identifying with them and feeling afraid of them and what would you say to someone which is probably everyone that's going to listen to this to some degree. What would you say to people who are becoming more aware of their unconscious? And, and just to clarify by, you know, I, I call it unconscious because, you know, we have the subconscious psychologically, spiritually. And then we also have like, literally, if we are unconscious, like our immune system is still functioning. Our breathing is still functioning. The waves in our brain are still functioning. And all of that is affected too. People don't realize that, but it is. And so as a whole, all of these things, recognizing our body sensations and our psychological messed upness and what's working, what would you say to someone who's coming to terms with the fact that they may be a lot more asleep unintentionally than they ever thought? What, what advice would you give them for taking the jump? I would first normalize um, the, the fear 
I think you spoke that word really accurately, that can be the first layer of feeling um, before all the other crap comes washing in. And, you know, specifically, I, I, I love that you brought up, you know, kind of being snapped out of that old autopilot, you know, through the circumstances of the quarantine and 2020 and all that it is, because um, I, I think about it in those same terms, you know, at the surface, that's a pattern interrupt. Life looks different. Mm. I don't get in the car and, and go to the same office, or at least most of us don't, right, anymore. This is why transitions can be difficult for many of us. I know for me, when I transitioned from lifelong student that I played almost until I was 30, in my 30s, to professional, that, mm. was a, that brought up a lot for me because my life just day to day, really simply, looked different. Moves, yeah. anytime we shift life stages, that can offer that version of a pattern interrupt. Mm. And at minimum, life looks different. We have to change. We have to begin to do things differently. Yeah. And when I, like we talked about earlier, when I enter into new territory or that which is unfamiliar, for all of us humans, because we are operating from very evolutionarily driven instincts, the unfamiliar, the unknown could be possibly threatening. So for a lot of us, fear, like I said earlier, becomes the, the first tier emotion we feel because our nervous system is actually now reacting. It's getting involved. Like you said, it's all interconnected. Our nervous system, we now know, is connected to our, our gut and our, our stomach and how we're digesting food. And we have a, you know, there's so our immune system is right outside of there and it's all impacted. Mm -hmm. And so fear, I talk a lot about fear and the fear of the unknown that we all have to walk through to create change. Now, if you compound what's going to challenge any human who's driven to that familiar, right? Because change as a reminder is uncertain, possibly threatening. If you mm -hmm. compound that in humans, as like I just said earlier, most of us are, <laughs> that are carrying that unresolved trauma and those coping mechanisms, right? Now, a lot of us, and I think again, this is what we're seeing and experiencing, maybe many listeners play out in our own lives. We are actually in, in stuck in a, in a new trauma response. We are actually activated again, down to the level of our nervous system. Um, mm -hmm. And we are operating from fear, which can be very, very limiting for many reasons. Um, Abraham Maslow, uh, in terms of his hierarchy of needs, the things that all of us are seeking at the top, self-actualization, right. fulfillment, we actually cannot evolve into those feeling states without the security, without feeling safe. Right. So again, fear becomes pivotal. Um, it becomes constricting and it becomes a place that we have to work foundationally to create safety before we can even begin to talk about connecting and connecting with life and others and, you know, being that self-actualized human that we all know about and again, cannot. So fear. Um, I, I talk about fear a lot. I offer the evolutionary understanding again of the body and of how fear really does restrict us. Cause again, this is another one of those areas, especially those of us that know of Abraham are like, oh, I want to self-actualize yet I can't even create the safety to allow myself to right. do so. Yeah. 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 And fear is misunderstood. And so I appreciate how much you go into describing it and, and, normalizing it and validating it and making it not seem as fearful like you literally you can dismantle the fear that we like we're born with the ability to be afraid because we are surviving beings we don't mm -hmm. want to die and so fear is so prevalent and it can supersede anything else that we have going on in our lives if, if, if it feels uncomfortable because we've been in chaos we're used to chaos and when we want things to settle, our nervous system is like, well, I can't calm down. I can't calm down. I can't connect. I don't know how, what if I do it wrong? Or I don't wanna know what's there. I don't wanna know what's there. It's gotta be bad if I've been running from it for decades, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, I just, like the reason why I got into this work is I don't, I don't, well, me personally, I don't wanna be on my death bed and feel like I lived someone else's life. I feel like I lived the life that was placed onto me by my experiences. And so that's why I, I don't want other people to have that experience because while I believe in spirituality, I don't know what happens after this. And so I can't give anyone, none of us can give anyone like validation that, yeah, you can live your life asleep and then you'll get another opportunity. I don't know what happens. 
So we have to take advantage of the time now and we have to be willing to combat that fear because it's not going to go away on its own. And so I love that you talk about that and and that you brought it up because we're all struggling with it, you know? We're all struggling with fear. Yeah. How absolutely. do you manage? I have So you put out a lot of coping skills for the world and you put out a lot of interventions and perceptions and explanations. Is there anything that you do in your day to day, you know, like I said, the example of like, I have to literally brush your teeth so that I can combat my unconscious going, the toothpaste tastes bad. Like that's literally the thought that I have is like, I'm like, you're 30 and you have a toddler, like get your shit together and brush your teeth. And I'm like battling it every day. And so is there anything that you have in your day to day or in your relationships or anything that you do daily that helps just, it gives you that power back. It says, no, I'm going to I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this that you haven't shared before. So outside of, of making a, a conscious intention that I begin from the moment I wake up, I actually, Courtney, have a, a daily practice that I created at the start of my mm -hmm. healing journey that I still do. It's called future self journaling. Uh, anyone who's interested can grab the free prompts um, mm -hmm. listed in my link tree, signing up for my email list. However, I bring it up because for me, it's the daily action each morning of setting an intention and in up to change, to continue on now for me, the pathway of creating a future that's different than my past. And we now know, based on our conversation, that for me, this, this practice is really pivotal because it's that first pattern interrupt. It doesn't allow me to go into an old autopilot, to entertain old behaviors or stories in my mind. From For me, it's the morning. It might be some people the night before bed or in the middle of the day, whenever you can have a minute for a couple minutes to journal. For me, top of the morning, I set my intention and you're always going to see two intentions in there as my always, as my foundational work, in addition to maybe whatever other habit I'm trying to change. Mm -hmm. Those two intentions are living life consciously. Every day I set the intention to as much as possible, as many times as I can throughout my day to check in with myself and make sure that I'm not in that autopilot. For me, my favorite autopilots are worrying and rehearsing, you know, the thing that, that the fight I had with my partner that morning, that if I only said this thing differently and next time I will, I also love my autopilot loves to worry about the future. So for me, that means as many times as I can throughout my day, making sure that I'm present in the moment mm. that to me indicates that I'm in my body and I'm conscious something else because fear was my, one of my major emotional traumas as a child living in a, in a family where there was a lot going on, a lot of big emotions and not necessarily having, again, the caregivers around me who were equipped because they too were taught from right. their emotionally unavailable caregivers ahead of them. They didn't really know how to deal with their own emotions and they were very much in a fight or flight response. So yeah. my emotions got overlooked a lot. So fear for me, I came to realize was at a core of my wound. And what that looked like in my body is living in that dysregulated nervous system. Is my body always being in fight or flight? And now that we know that my body and my mind are communicating, constantly sending messages to my mind that there is something wrong, that there is another right. threat around the corner. And that's why I would get those racing thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, foundationally, you're always going to see me doing my, what, what I've had the most success with to help regulate my nervous system, which is a breath work practice, which for me is as simple as throughout my day doing two things, paying attention to my breath every now and again. Listeners might be like, what the hell are you talking about? I breathe all day. <laughs> I notice that when I'm stressed, I actually hold my breath or I migrate my breath from my belly, which is where I try to practice breathing. I call them belly breaths and I get a really shallow breath. So for me, that exacerbates my fear response. So you're mm -hmm. always going to see me throughout my day, practicing being conscious, grounded in what's actually happening, whether it's external or internal to me. And then through that practice of observation, being aware of my breath and knowing that for me, that foundational calm, that that other nervous system, our parasympathetic, that the deep belly breath just so happens to activate. I want to spend as much time in there as I can because that's that safety system that we were just mm -hmm. talking about that then allows me to connect with the world 
because I'm going to share something as, as much as your, right. My regret on my deathbed would be not living life, remaining in that spaceship. And as much as that spaceship for me was safe and something that people would, would observe to me and my family as well, they would make these statements. Nothing bothers Nicole. And maybe on some level that was true because I was so dissociated. But the byproduct of that I came to realize is that I lost out on all of the positive emotions mm. too. I was so flat that while I might've gotten really good at keeping myself protected from the scarier emotions, the negative ones, so to speak, mm. I also was limiting myself in experiencing joy and ease and, and all of the higher vibrational emotions too. So my regret um, and what comes along with experiencing the positive now I understand is the quote unquote negative even though I don't really love using those distinguishers because feelings are just energy. Um, mm -hmm. However, like I said, my regret I've come to realize is, is not feeling any of it. And I felt none of it for a good three decades. Um, so now it's about, again, reconnecting, being grounded so I can have that safety to open myself up for all of life. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared. And to everyone who just heard Nicole talk about her future self journal, I do highly recommend that you go and get it. She just redid it and came out with a new version and it really can change your life as well as breathwork. If you're interested in breathwork, if you're one of those listeners that, that had the response that she was talking about of, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I breathe every day. In a minute, I'm going to ask Nicole where you can find more information on everything that she shares. And there is so much information there about the nervous system, breathing, the future self journal, reparenting, the ego, everything that we've talked about so far. And so before we close out, Nicole, I wanted to ask you if there is one message that you have for people that may have resonated with everything that you just mentioned about your own subconscious belief systems and and how how you felt stuck in your past and so yeah one message that you would want to leave our listeners with today i think the the message that i'm always hoping to just sit in one person's ear is 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 a message and whatever empowerment to them but it would be a message and i can or maybe even I mean, I think it's a lot. Uh, I know I didn't a lot of I've shifted a lot of really deep rooted beliefs again around limitation around what my body and my personality and my spirit was capable of. I've shifted a lot of those. I know I didn't shift them overnight. Um, so for some, it's just the possibility of empowerment, the possibility that if maybe I was that person who thought, oh, definitely not me, I can't create this. No, that I was that person, too. Um, I had myself in a very constricted lane. So again, like I said, if there's anyone listening that just can maybe call into question, you know, their ability to change that, that is why I show up every day. That is why I will continue to show up every day on, on the Instagram, putting these tools out. Um, that is why I am super excited for um, the book to be released. My, my first book, um, for me, that's kind of the, the start to finish, you know, handbook of everything that you and I are talking about and everything I talk about each day. So mm -hmm. for me, if anyone, if any one person just a commending every person, let me back it up for one second mm -hmm. for listening. Cause for some of us, that's that curiosity. That's that little spark that you and I keep right. coming back to the fact that you even tuned into this. Um, so I'm speaking mm -hmm. to you and, and, you know, acknowledging everyone out there for, for giving their time, for listening to what, for a lot of people might be challenging at first. Right. And like I said, to just hear my story. Um, mm -hmm. and like I said earlier, don't, don't take me to believe, um, you know, don't, don't use my journey and map it right on to what you quote unquote should be doing. This is right. just, I'm sharing my message. Um, hoping to empower, like I said, one human out there. That's beautiful, Nicole. Thank you so much. For the listeners that want to get more information and see everything that you've done and everything that you're doing, where can they find more information about you, your book, your Instagram? Tell yes. us about it. Yes. So the Instagram, I am, like I said, on day in and day out at the <laughs> Um, I have a YouTube channel. If anyone wants to search the holistic psychologist on YouTube, I put out short informational teaching videos on these concepts every Sunday. Um, typically I'm running all of that through the Instagram. So in the link tree, you can sign up for the future self journal on the new website that we just had built, which is super exciting. Um, and anywhere from doing that to pre-ordering the new book. 
So come hang out with the community as well. We have amazing self-healers that are engaged in their own healing journey on the Instagram account. And I am just, for me, it it, it has been life-changing. The account, the, the support of other humans, the ability to connect with humans like yourself who are doing the work in, in their own voices, in their own ways. And, you know, for me, this is the, this is the work of the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nicole. I appreciate you coming on. And to everyone listening, this was Your Unconscious is Showing. My name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I am known on social media as The Truth Doctor. Me and my guest, Dr. Nicole LaPera, want to thank you so much for being willing to dive inward and learn about your unconscious. And the truth is, you can heal yourself, maybe. So try it out.